The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. Am I on? George! Hi there! George, hey! Um, this is a week that we have been waiting for. Um, did you ever think it was going to come? Yes. I, I, I really have thought it would come for a long time, but I, you know, I had no idea how long it would take. I mean, I, I, mean, I always thought even back four or five years ago that he was going to do something unimaginable that would bring him down. And it turns out he did lots of things that, that um, would do that. And I mean, we're finally seeing the consequences of that. Um, unimaginable, but you, you well, unimaginable for anybody but this guy. I mean, it's just incredible. Um, so let me back up um, before back, we get yeah. too carried away here um, yeah. and introduce myself. Uh, I'm Ruth Marcus. So I'm a columnist and associate editor at the Washington Post, and I am delighted to be reunited with uh, one of my favorite you people. Editor, editor extraordinaire. And I'm going to let my favorite person introduce himself, Mr. Conway. Oh, I'm George. I'm George. Um, I cause trouble. Occasionally I write stuff and occasionally we've edited. Um, I don't know what else to say about myself. George is, and I will uh, speak for him since he's not going to toot his own horn, one hell of a lawyer, one hell of a writer, one hell of a political uh, commentator who has seen Donald Trump up close and personal and like me has been awaiting this indictment, which is really the big enchilada. It really is. George, talk for a minute about how big a deal this is, because we've seen other Trump indictments, more are to come. Why is this indictment different from all the other indictments? We've had bad presidents. We've had lots and lots of corrupt politicians throughout American history, but none, none have ever tried to overturn American democracy. And the question is, we, we, you know, the, the system wasn't prepared for that in the sense that it was something that we as Americans, having become so accustomed to a working democracy, a working republic, um, could not conceive of that a president of the United States would attempt to maintain power despite having lost an election. And to the point where we weren't even sure, like, I mean, how do you deal with this? What's what 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 mechanism do you have to deal with this? I mean, there was impeachment, but he was he was he was unsuccessful in his coup, so he was leaving office anyway. And so, impeachment, you know, the only function of impeachment could have been if the Republicans had exercised some courage and foresightedness. Um, if Mitch McConnell hadn't thought that you know Trump will just go away, um, they could have, under the Constitution and the impeachment clause. Uh, stripped him of the ability to hold future public office. But they made the mistake, of course, of not doing that. And so there needs to be some other mechanism to protect the democracy. And there needs to be some kind of accountability for what you know has to be, in some way, a criminal act, the criminal act of trying to defraud the nation 
of a peaceful transition of power. I mean, you could steal a billion dollars from the treasury and you'd go to jail. You could steal $100,000 and go to jail. But if you try to steal um, America's democracy, you try to steal the presidency, I mean, how could there not be uh, a criminal sanction for that? And that's where this indictment comes in. So no one has written and argued more persuasively than you have about what a malignant narcissist uh, Donald Trump is. And so he, maybe to this day, and you know him way better than I do and have seen him way more up close and personal than I have, but if he believes in his narcissistic way that the election was stolen from him, uh, if he can, if, and the burden is on prosecutors to prove that he uh, knew that he lost the election, how big a hurdle is that for this prosecution? Because you're talking about false statements and you and I know that Donald Trump lives in a, a universe of his own imagining. So how big a problem is that? Uh, look, I mean, he, it, it's not a big problem. And, uh, uh, and it's for this reason. One is he deep down knows that what he's saying is false. I mean, he doesn't, in his mind, he doesn't care about whether something is true and false or false. His mind is a jumble of true things, false things, things he just wants to say, things, impulses, and so on and so forth. He doesn't, the difference between him and us is that when we say things that are false, we feel guilty. And we feel shame when somebody points out to us that we've said something that's false, even, 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 even inadvertently false. I mean, that's why nothing, nothing must have bothered, nothing bothered you more as an editor at the Washington Post than having to issue even a bull- little correction. <laughs> you of, betcha. Of a, I mean, it's, it's just that you, you, you pull your hair out. You care about that. Donald Trump, because he is a malignant narcissist, does not care. And, and, and it illu- it's illustrated very well in the record of the January 6th hearings and, and in this indictment by the various things that he said to people, like, just, just say the election was stolen and leave the rest to me and the Republican Congress, right? That's just basically saying, it doesn't matter what's true or false. We're just going to say it is, just let us, let us deal with it. Just say it. And then he said, to, he, there's, there's another line in this indictment, which is absolutely stunning, where Trump, you know, is trying to persuade uh, Mike Pence to reject the electoral votes of the various states that are contested. And Pence says, I, I can't do that. And Trump says, Which You're is the honest. ultimate Trump insult, he right? He knows what he's saying, what he's attempting to do is, is false and untrue. He does not care. He does give the effect of, of he does appear delusional in a, in a sense because he does insist on things that are not true, even in the face of, you know, of, of contrary evidence. But deep down, he knows the difference between right and wrong. And he knows that, 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 that not everything he says is true. He just doesn't care. And that, to me, that, that's why he can be shown to have criminal intent. And it's also why, for example, an insanity defense, which actually might be his best defense because he's, he does give the appearance of being completely out of his mind, um, wouldn't work because he actually does know the difference between right and wrong, as illustrated in the documents case, where 
I mean, if you didn't, if you, if you didn't realize that we were keeping the documents was wrong and hiding them from the government was wrong, well, why would you get somebody to try to destroy the videotapes of Walt Nauta moving those documents around? Well, that's because he knows it's bad. It's, he knows that what, what he had done is wrong and he needed to cover it up. So he, he, is, he, he does have the capacity to understand the difference between truth and lies and between right and wrong. He just doesn't care. And that's the nature of his sociopathy, his, his, his psychopathy, his malignant narcissism. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so imagine the unimaginable, which is you are Donald Trump's lawyer. Um, uh, yeah, sorry about opening my Diet Coke there. So, so George, imagine the unimaginable, which is that you are Donald Trump's lawyer. In addition to um, getting him to pay you a big fat retainer up front, because we know how bad he is about his legal bills. Yeah, we know he'll, and, and that he would he would fire me within a couple of weeks. Um, well, or maybe a couple of hours. He cycles Minutes. through them, um, but while you're still his imaginary lawyer, in my hypothetical. Um, and don't fight the hypothetical, as the justices say. Okay, I won't fight the hypothetical. What, what is the best way for his lawyers to defend him? What advice are you giving him? I mean, the only two things that they can do, I mean, I, I would tell him that he needs to own up to it and plead guilty huh. and, and work out a deal with the government, basically by saying, you know, one of the things that the Justice Department will consider doing in settling, in plea bargaining, political corruption cases is to take a, you know, a commitment from the defendant, an enforceable commitment from the defendant, not to hold public office again, to resign, like Agnew had to resign as part of his Nolo Contendere plea in 1973. And so what, what I would say is you need to work out the best deal possible. And, and you just have to say, you just, you're just going to leave public life and, and, and pay a fine and and I try do my best to keep him out of prison. Um, plus your he's mi- never going to agree with that. Yeah, I was going to say going plus or minus zero. What are the chances of that? I, I, he would never do it. But I mean, the only hint that he might possibly do it came where you know he did want, at one point somehow. I think it was reported that he approached the Justice Department through an intermediary, approached Garland. I think through an intermediary, it was reported to say that can't we just work this out? And um, I you know. At that point, and this was, I think this was had to do with the, with the, with the documents. Um, I, it, you know, it, maybe at that moment he was thinking something like that, but the problem is he just, he digs himself so deep. He just refuses. He, he doesn't, he, he, he's one of his problems is he's incapable of mid- admitting error. I mean, you think the most, the, the, the silliest example of course was the, was the Sharpie on the weather map. Mm-hmm. If you remember that, uh, you know, where he, where the he, famous he, he, Sharpie. Played, he, Right. He, he, he modified a weather map with a Sharpie in order to pretend that he he was right in saying that a hurricane had a chance of hitting Alabama. Uh, he, he can't admit error. And that's why he digs himself deeper and deeper into a hole. And he can't he, he he's not going to do it. He's not going to plead. But that that would be his best move would be I'll I'll leave the republic alone. And you leave me alone. Well, but he's not going to do I, that. I have a couple questions on that. One, one is whether, in a situation like this, where Jack Smith works for an administration whose president is running for re-election, is running against Donald Trump, where Donald Trump is the likely GOP nominee, would it be even proper for Jack Smith to 
make it a condition of the never going to happen plea agreement with Donald Trump that he would would retire from public life? Because I have to say that makes me a little queasy. That's understandably so. Um, But we are in uncharted territory. I I actually think it would be the best the best resolution for the country. It's never going to happen. And the problem with it is, of course, is that even the suggestion of it, if it came from the Justice Department, would be pointed to by Trump and his supporters as, aha, this is why you're doing that. And, and, And in a sense, they're not wrong because one of the reasons why we have to do this we have to make sure we enforce the law is that so that somebody can't do this again. I mean, it is actually a, an important function of the criminal law, not just to deter people, but to basically prevent them from committing further yeah. crimes. And if you want to commit this, if you want to prevent this guy from committing further crimes uh, of the sort that he has committed in the past, you have to keep him from holding, ever holding any form of political power again. I'm tempted and so to that's say a, that is actually. <laughs> Well, I, you know, I'm writing an op-ed, as you may know, and I'm, I want, I'm going to try to sell the title, Lock Them Up. Oh, well, there you go. You can use me yeah. as your advocate. All right, all right. I'm going to say, uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'll tell the editors that, yeah, Ruth, 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 yeah, I see, see I'll, how I'll hang it all on you. you. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it would be, you know, it, it's a legitimate concern. I mean, just as I think, I mean, I'm not, I was never a prosecutor, but I believe, as I mentioned just a few moments ago, that it is a legitimate consideration of the Justice Department uh, that to make, take a corrupt politician who's being prosecuted out of public life. And I think that's something that's actually in DOJ guidelines, that it is something that, um, you know, is, is a consideration in public corruption cases. The problem is, it is, as you, as you correctly point out, it would be it would create a lot of political ammunition for, for Trump and the Republicans if the, if the, the Justice Department ever breathed, breathed the word of this. I mean, it would have to come. It would have to be. A, it would have to be a basically Trump throwing himself at the feet of the Justice Department and admitting his wrong, admitting he did wrong, and he will never, ever, ever do that because he's just not capable of that. So, back in this universe, is this case back um, in the universe? Is this case going to trial? Is it going yes. to trial before the election? And do you think that Trump, that it would be wise for Trump to testify or not? Because I've been talking to some uh, criminal defense lawyers and ex-prosecutors about this t- they're, today. They're, they're, I'll answer the last question first. There is no way that any competent defense lawyer would allow Trump to testify. And that's because he's incapable of it. I mean, think of how what the cross-examination would be like. I mean, you, you <laughs> ask Trump, are people lying about you? Yes. Does everyone lie about you? Well, no. But does everybody, all your political enemies lie about you? You didn't do this. You didn't do that. You, you, you can just go on and on and get him to say absurd things just by getting him to say, you know, by, by drawing him out on his untruths and, and about how, you know, everyone, everyone, everyone is pointing to him as, 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 as a crook. Um, and, and you saw a little, we saw a little about that, of, of that when uh, Robbie Kaplan, uh, mm-hmm. Eugene Carroll's lawyer, took took uh, Trump's deposition in the uh, in the rape and defamation case uh, that, 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 that Carol won. And, and you know, there's some crazy stuff will come out of his mouth. He would not last five minutes on cross-examination with a good lawyer uh, cross-examining him. And that, that was the conclusion reached by 
uh, Jim Dowd, as you will call. I mean, if you recall in Bob Woodward's, mm-hmm. I think, first book on the Trump era, uh, there was, you know, basically this entire uh, monologue or something that clearly came out of Dowd's mouth to Woodward, where Dowd is describing the, the mock cross-examinations that he conducted of Trump, um, you know, in, in advance of a possible interview with Bob Mueller. And, you know, he, they started asking him questions and basically Trump just went off the rails and started saying crazy things. And at the end of the book, the book is, at the end of the book, I mean, it, basically his advice to Trump was, as a result of that experience was, you cannot testify, we cannot allow you to testify, it would be a disaster. And then at the end of the book, you know, he says, it, it, you, you, it, there's there's like the voice in uh, Dowd's head says, Trump is just an effing liar. And that's how the book ends. And that's just, he cannot, he would, he, he will not be able to, it would be a, a he would, he would make doctor, he would make uh, Captain Queeg look like a good witness. So he cannot be, he will not be allowed to testify. No one will allow him to testify. I would love to see him testify because I think it would be the ultimate courtroom spectacle of, 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 of all time um, from now for, you know, if the universe lasts 20 billion more years, it, it, nothing will ever top it, but um, it, it's not going to happen. Now, your other questions were, yeah. to go back, your other questions were, what were they? Uh, it was, uh, is this case going to trial and is it going to trial yeah, no, before it, it, the election? It, it is going to trial. It's going to trial and I think it can and should go to trial before the election. And I think that was the object um, that, that, that is the object of Jack Smith in charging Trump alone. The more criminal defendants you put into one indictment, the more complicated a case becomes exponentially because every defendant will make its own, his own pretrial motions or her pretrial motions um, to, 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 and, 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 and motions for severance. You just get more and more things to deal with, with the more defendants that you have. And then at trial, the trial becomes messier because every witness gets to be cro- has to be cross-examined by each defense counsel's lawyer, um, each defendant's lawyer. And, you know, everybody's hopping up and down. And it's, it's much, much more chaotic and it's much more harder for the jury. They got to keep track of who, who said what to whom uh, and how it affects each individual defendant. Whereas in this case, this case is purposely streamlined, I think, so that, Trump, so that he can get Trump to tra- trial sooner rather than later. I think the alternative approach would have been like the approach that, that people say uh, that Fonnie Willis, the Fulton County district attorney is going to take, which is charge this like a mafia case where you basically charge 10, 10 defendants at once, including the boss and the consigliere and some of the associates and so on and so forth. And the made guys or whatever, um, you know, that's, that's a much more complicated kind of litigation to try. Whereas all they're doing here is they're just following him along in this indictment and showing you he did this, he was told this, he then said that, he did this, he was told this, he did that. And it's just basically a one timeline on one human being. It's much less complicated a case. And if you have an experienced judge who understands the need, the public interest here, which I think is, I think the public interest really, really speaks in favor of getting this case tried before the election, um, so that, you know, the American people can see the result and so that we don't have this hanging over, casting a shadow over the election. Um, 
I, I think a ju- an experienced judge like ju- this judge, who was a, a judge um, Tanya Chutkin. Chutkin um, will, but um, the, Judge Chutkin is an experienced and well-regarded uh, trial lawyer. Uh, she was a public defender here in the District of Columbia for many, many years, uh, and you know she knows she knows all the defense bar tricks by by necessarily. So she knows what they're going to try to do, and she knows how judges can effectively deal with them. I mean, there's nothing better. I mean, she 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 she's as good a choice, I think for this case as anyone could imagine. And also, and also she's a, t- the wheel landed on a, on a good judge. Yeah. Uh, for once. I agree with you. So we have a, a impending looming split screen, amazing, could not make this up. If you were writing the script for it moment coming next year, where Trump is simultaneously criminal defendant in multiple venues and yeah. leading candidate for the Republican nomination and then uh, potentially the presidency. Talk for a bit about the politics of this in the, as you see it, and particularly in the Republican Party. Does this just cause his base and his allies and even his opponents to rally around him? Or does it finally shake things? I mean, I know we're, we're all kind of... Uh, imagining things that never actually happen uh, when we think, okay, this will be the straw that breaks Trump's back. Um, Does this finally shake things up and give people pause about reelecting this man? Well, I think it's giving a lot of people pause about reelecting this man, but not enough people to deny him the nomination. I've been saying for quite some time that I think he's going to get the nomination no matter what, because I don't think there is anyone out there who can beat him. And I think that the Republican base is basically suffused with this disinformation and wants to be. They, they, this is the, they, they, the, the you know outlets like Fox News and all of these politicians, like you know from Marco Rubio to Kevin McCarthy to Ted Cruz to all of these politicians who are talking about the weaponization of politics. They are basically saying that because they don't want the wrath of the Republican base when it's told things that it doesn't want to hear. I mean, that's, that's basically the mentality. They just don't want to hear reality. And that's, you know, that's how Fox news got to end up, ended up paying $750 million to dominion. It's why you see, you know, Kevin McCarthy who was caught on tape saying I've had it with Trump. And he was saying on the floor of the house that it was, Trump was responsible for the terrible events of January 6th, now saying, you know, the, the, the process that the criminal justice system is being weaponized. They, they, they just can't let go of this. And they fed the beast for so long that they, 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 they can't stop feeding it. And so it's like a, it's a train. It's a train wreck. It's, it's just basically like Pelham 123. It's running down the, running down the line. And it's going to hit something sooner or later. Well, does this? I'm, I'm thinking about the potential train analogies, and none of them are going to exactly yeah. work. But where does where does this end up? And does this? I'll just keep going here. Does this derail Trump, et cetera, et cetera? I mean, no, in other no, words, no, no. What, what, he gets the nomination. He gets the nomination. He will be. Con- I think he will be the first convicted felon. I've said. I've felt this for like months now. He will be the first convicted felon to be a major party nominee. And his, he will be, you know, his conviction, 
a conviction or more than one conviction will be on appeal um, while the election is pending. The, the fall campaign is pending. And does this indictment and do those impending, you know, from your mouth uh, convictions uh, make it more likely or less likely or how do they affect his uh, ability to end up back in the White House? Well, I, I, mean, I think obviously it, it hurts him among the broad electorate. The, the only way I see him winning um, the general election is if there is a third party candidate of a certain stripe that splits the vote, the anti-Trump vote. That is that has the potential, I think, to destroy the republic. And I think the people who are concerned about the no labels movement are right to be concerned about the no labels movement. Hold on for a second. Hi. What? Oh, gosh, I got to go. I have to go to makeup now. All right. I'm sorry. Um, George, we don't want to. We've been keep, talking for longer than we, I thought. We don't want to keep you from your hit, George, but you've given us um, a lot a lot to think about. George Conway, it is always so much fun to talk to you. And thank you. I'm sorry we got cut off here. No problem. Oh, I shouldn't say that, right? Thanks to everybody for listening. Please let us know what you thought of the conversation. And don't forget to go to the Washington Post site. I believe that's WashingtonPost.com for continued updates and analysis on the indictment, including some from yours truly. Uh, And please stay tuned for more covering Post Opinions audio team. Thanks so much, George. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.